I do what it says it can do. It is the living word of God, and I have received it. I have it all. I haven't missed a thing. Today, a part of it will be set ablaze, and I'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. We'll never be the same. In Jesus' holy name, and let the church say amen. Praise the Lord. And if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Exodus, chapter 34. This morning, Exodus, chapter 34. This morning, I want to say I appreciate Pastor Sissy taking Wednesday night service. You guys supporting that. You guys checking in on me. I haven't done a whole lot this week. It's been a tough week. I think I've had the flu. I have tested uh, negative for COVID on many occasions. So we're glad today that God is still alive and well on the throne, and he's given me another opportunity to stand behind the pulpit to minister into this church. Amen. And I believe that the Lord has a word for us here today. It's good to see Sister Burke in the house here today. And I just want to give her a good hand for coming. If y'all will give her a good hand. I've always appreciated her. I thank the Lord for what she's done in, 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 uh, in my life and praying for us and standing with us and support she's given our ministry. We're glad to have her here today. And we're looking forward for a word from the Lord. If you're ready for a word from the Lord this morning, say amen. Come out right beside us. Say, I'm going to get all of this in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. And amen. i got to get a little bit of volume on this because I don't need to holler too much this morning. So is that all right? Amen. Exodus chapter number 34. If you're ready for the word of God, I want you just to look at your neighbor and say, now get all this today. Because you got to get it now. you got to get it now. Because the Lord is starting to set something up right now. Verse number one, it said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon them these tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning upon Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mounts. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount. Neither let the flocks nor the herds feed before that mount. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning, and he went up into Mount Seir, Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generations. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth in worship. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go amongst us. For it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. Everyone just hold your hand up and say, Lord, please take us for thine inheritance. I'll go back to verse number one. I want to show you a couple things as your heart is prepared this morning. It said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Who the two tables of stone like unto the first? And I will write upon the tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. 
And I like verse number two. It said, and be ready in the morning. Tell your person right beside of you, say, be ready in the morning. And then tell another and say, get a grip on it now. Tell another and say, it's time to get a grip on it now. Father, in the name of Jesus, use this word today. Touch my body in a mighty way this morning. Lord, I need your touch. I need your strength. I need your anointing to be able to carry through this next 35, 40 minutes. Father, I pray, Lord, that as my words are proceeding out of my mouth, that they'll come directly from heaven. As your altar in heaven purges the gift that is given unto you, Lord God, of all human draws, purge my vessel today of all human draws. Allow me, Lord, to speak, Lord, as an oracle directly from heaven to these people. I'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it all. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do in the hearts of your people today. And we thank you, Lord, that you are still the God of all gods, full of mercy and grace. Father, thank you, Lord, that you're going to allow us here at Living Water to find grace in your sight here this morning. And we'll give you the glory and the praise for it all in Jesus' name. And our church said, Amen. And amen. Tell one other one here this morning if you want to say it's time to get a grip on it. Time to get a grip on it. Mm-hmm. A, grip on it. a lot of people have let their grip go right lately. Amen. Friday, September the 15th of this year is Rosh Hashanah. That is the Jewish New Year. I know a lot of us don't keep up with that, but it's very important that you need to know that. And I believe that today, starting today here in our church, God is going to begin to start setting the tone for your brand new year because September the 15th, less than six weeks away, is a brand new year, a brand new time in the house of Almighty God, a brand new time. And something is going to take place in 2023 just like it did in 2020, 2021. I believe in 2023, God is going to do some distribution. He's going to distribute some blessings and he's going to distribute some cursings. And if there's any time in the world that we as a body of Christ needs to get a grip on things is right now because we need the blessing of God in our life. Amen. How many of you here this morning need the blessing of God in your life? Would you say amen? How many of you are expecting something for God from God for the next year? How many would say amen? You're expecting God to save your family. You're expecting God to fill up this church. You're expecting God to change the politics. You're expecting God to do something in your life. I'm expecting God to heal some folk. I'm expecting God to take some crack addicts and bring them into the church. I'm expecting God to fire up his dead people that he's got in his church. Now, I'm expecting God to breathe a breath of fresh air across the body of Christ. I'm expecting a revival in the house of Almighty God. Darkness is going to get darker than it's ever been before, but light has shown it is a brand new day and get ready because God said I am going to do something in your life and distribute my blessings in your life if you want them but if not I'm going to give some people some curses because I'm going to prove to everybody I am God. Amen. I'm expecting God to do something. I'm excited about what God has planned to do in my life. I'm excited about what God has planned to do in this church. I'm excited about what he's planned to do in America. I wish some of y'all could see what God is trying to do in America. The devil has got wind of it, and he found out about it about three years ago. And three years ago, he started allowing his demons to come out from all around and show out because they know their time is short because God is about to bring a revival like you've never seen. And it's time for the church to get a grip on it. Amen. Now, I, I really have sought the leadership of the Holy Ghost to, to this week while I've been kind of down on my back. And sometimes I think that the Lord uh, clears you away from things in life because he really needs to talk to you. And I've sought the leadership of the Holy Ghost for today's word. And I don't understand all that God wants to do or what he's trying to do in life. But one thing I do know is God wants you this year coming up to have something in your hand. 
Ask your neighbor right beside you, say, what have you got in your hand this morning? So this is a personal word today about you. And if you think I'm talking about you today, don't worry, I am. I'm talking about you today. I want you to get this word because this is a personal word from God to you. And God is wanting to use you. And the Spirit has sent me here today to talk to you and set the tone for your brand new year that is coming up for you. I want you to know God has allowed the darkness to go like it has so that when the glory of God shines, everybody can see the glory of God that is arisen on you and they will come to the house of God to seek the answer that they need. They seek everything, everything else, but God's saying the answer is in the house of God. Can someone shout out amen? amen. So I believe that this year coming, God is going to place some things in your hand, and I want to tell your, you to tell your neighbor this morning, look at him and say, I got a grip on this thing. Tell him and say, I got a grip on this thing. Oh, y'all don't act like you do. Tell somebody, say, I got a grip on this thing. The devil ain't going to jerk it out of my hand. My husband ain't going to jerk it out of my hand. My wife ain't going to jerk it out of my hand. My church members ain't going to jerk it out of my hand. It don't matter how many imps from hell that the devil sends. It ain't going to jerk it out of my hand. I'm going to get a grip on this because I am going to move forward with what God wants done in my life. Now it is a time and the time is short and it's time for us to waken up and allow God to do what he needs to do in our life. Can someone say amen? When you say I got a grip on it, it emphasizes that there's been a time in your life that you did not have a grip on it. How many live life without having a grip on things? Ain't got a grip on your finances. Ain't got a grip on your family. Ain't got a grip on your life. Ain't got a grip on your church. You don't have a grip on it. But today I want the devil to know and I want all of heaven to know. I want every uh, one of my haters to know. I want every one of my detractors to know. I want everybody to know here on the house of God today and listening online that Living Water Worship Center is going to get a grip on it and we're going to get through and press through and have the power of God show up in this house like it's supposed to. And I want everybody to know that you're going to get a grip on it and I want hell to know that it don't matter what you tried to do we're still going to get through it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've been working on myself right lately a lot. And i tell you what, sometimes when you start working on yourself you get a little scared about yourself. I've been trying to bring out of me the best and the most profound version of myself that I could actually bring about. And I want to tell you, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to bite that tongue. Sometimes it's hard not to lose your temper. Sometimes it's hard not to say what comes up in your mind. Sometimes it's hard to sit there and listen to people that's negative and not say anything to them. I've been trying my best to work on me and bring about the, the best version that I can possibly render. And I take that moment to engage deeply inside of myself into the areas of my life. And I began to find out that there are areas in my life still, after all the years I've lived for the Lord, all the years that I've preached the gospel, there are still places and areas in my life that the enemy is fighting on because he don't want to let go of it easily. And I've got to fight him so that I can get those areas in my life under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So today there are our personas about me. There, there are proclivities about me. There's some things about me that has caused me to be vulnerable in certain situations and certain voices have come into my head. They've come into my mind. Certain things have come in there and they began to circumvent the purpose that God has had in my life and I have to confront that every now and again and fight that with the glory of Almighty God and the fight of the shield of faith and stand up and decree that it ain't going to be that way. It's going to be different. So right now I'm beginning to have to wrestle a little bit. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I'm wrestling sometimes. And sometimes as I wrestle with it, I'm, I'm going through some things. And I don't make public knowledge of it like a lot of other people do. They go on Facebook and they tell everybody everything that's going on in their life. I don't do that there. But if you pay close attention, you'll begin to realize, hey, the pastor is wrestling with something. He don't say much, but he don't say a whole lot in that area that he used to talk in. And he don't act that way in this one. So I've been wrestling with some stuff in my life and God is beginning to share with me what God has got to do here in living water and I'm excited because he is right at the cusp of the kingdom of God breaking out in this house like you've never seen it before and if you believe that this morning give God a good hand clap of praise amen I began to find out something as I studied myself a little bit. I was always taught when I was in church or I was coming up in the family that whatever happened in the house stayed in the house how many of you have taught that there? Amen. Yeah. If whatever went on behind closed doors, that stayed there. You didn't run out and tell everybody what was happening in your house. And I began to realize that although that was a good way to keep all your gossip down and keep everything uh, kind of quiet, there's something that happened with that. It was literally a hypocritical religion that was actually being put on the inside of me. You need to understand what I'm saying. We have to be true to ourselves, true to God, so that we can be true to everybody else. Amen. And when we keep secrets and whatever's happening inside of the house is kept behind those closed doors, then we are literally preaching hypocrisy and we are living hypocrisy because it creates the illusion that everything is all right with this family or everything is all right here with this marriage or everything is all right with this church or everything is all right with my friend over here. When the truth of the matter is being, when you really look at it, everybody's struggling with themselves and everybody's wrestling with some things on the inside. Amen. So that rule that everything stays in the house that happens in the house creates the illusion that everything is going along well. In fact, you talk to people, they've had a hellacious week. Things just went crazy. They just got off of the telephone with someone that literally tore their heart completely out. They've been answering the telephone with bill collectors calling and people threatening to foreclose their house and they don't have any money. They don't know where their next bill is at. And you walk up to them and you see them as they're walking into the church and you say, well, well, hey sister so and so how are you and they put on that smile and they say I'm blessed of the Lord makes you feel like that everything's well but I want you to know there is something that you have to do at times in your life and you have to do as a leader you got to get past that facade where everybody wants to keep what's going on in that house in that house and realize that the persona that they are showing to you that person they are showing to you is not the real Betty Ratley it's not the real Thelma Worm it's not the real Carol Offer it is a persona that they want you to believe that everything is alright but I want you 
you to know we're wrestling in living water. How many is there wrestling with me? Somebody say amen. We're wrestling in living water. We're fighting in living water. We're struggling in living water. We're still trying to hold on to our faith. We heard a word 20 years ago and we're still holding on to that. They're believing God that that word is going to come to pass. We're wrestling with the devil and there's areas in our life that the devil does not want to give up so easily. But God is saying through the power of the Holy Ghost in 2023, I'm going to claim all my promised land. Amen. Smile at somebody and say, I'm going to get a grip on it in the name of Jesus. So I've been wrestling. I've been wrestling. And everyone here, we back when I was coming up, that we, we, we termed a phrase, and I'm sure you've heard it, and it says, uh, you're keeping up with the Joneses. Now that kind of means a little bit more down in this area in southeastern North Carolina. It's all around the world. But it means a lot more here in this area because there is a family of Joneses. In fact, Brother Miles Carpenter, I think they're married into that family. My family is married into that family. There is the, the, the family of the Pope's that my grandma comes through. And there are some rich people in this area. And when we say everyone is trying to keep up with the Joneses, that was a public uh, statement that everyone was out there saying things like that. Because when we we wanted to talk about somebody and not make it obvious that we're talking about a certain crowd. We say, well, you're keeping up with the Joneses. Somebody say amen. amen. That's the way it was, wasn't it? Amen. amen. Those people seem to be so professional. They seem to be so successful. They rode around in the greatest looking cars. They always had the greatest looking clothes. They were always walking around with a briefcase. If they were in school, they had the nicest lunchbox and they always had money in their hands. They always looked to be better than what we were and, and it literally we didn't realize that they were literally wouldn't know better off than what we were. And if they were not that way, then we didn't know it because we didn't know them. We just took that accolade and we threw it on them and said, they're the Joneses and we're going to have to keep up with them. And, and, and what you need to realize is that although you were trying to keep up with the Joneses, the Joneses was living by that rule that whatever happens in the house stays in the house. Y'all with me this morning? Amen. So this morning, this is an open admission of and a confession of generational hypocrisy. And God is beginning to forgive and, and literally wash away generational hypocrisy here in Living Water Worship Center. And he's going to create a fresh, clean slate that he can get done what he needs to get done here in the next few months here in our church. And I believe he's going to start at the head and he's going to work right on down to the toe and he's going to begin to break loose in this house. And how many of you can believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. We were raised up to think that the more eloquent we were, that the more successful we were, the more we would inspire other people. The more money we made, the more people would look at us in our life and say, oh, I wish I could be like him because he makes good money. But one thing I have found out in life and things in life made me change some things, and that is people sometimes identify with your struggle way better than they do your success. Amen. It's not always your strength that is inspiring. It's not always your strength that is an inspirational testimony to someone. It is sometimes people are more deeply touched and deeply moved and inspired by what you struggle through and what you go through and how you hold on to your faith in the middle of that struggle. And in doing so, that's when you can reach the world. Amen. Amen. 
People look at you and they see how your children have went crazy. They look at you and they see how things has happened in your life. If you lose a loved one and here comes death four or five times right in a row or your child you have to bury. If you're in a situation where everything that is going on in your life is just seems like all hell has broke loose but yet you don't give up on God. People identify with you better than they do than you having a million dollars out there and they will have more respect for you for what you hold on and you step forward forth and hold on to God with that's when you'll be able to touch and inspire somebody when you allow everybody to know I'm struggling push that right beside of you and say I'm struggling this morning you need to let everybody know that people are struggling because people connect with you better when you let them know you're struggling I want you to know under the sound of my voice today everything is not alright someone say amen I want you to know in my life, everything ain't all right. I'm still wrestling. I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to bite my tongue when someone makes me mad. I'm still trying in my life to be what all I could be in the power of God. I'm still trying to surrender it all unto the Lord. And I'm still struggling with the devil because the devil has had this part of me for so long. He don't want to let it go. I want you to know that hypocrisy does not stay in one generation. We got a lot of hypocrisy in the church. Everybody's mighty quiet this morning, so I'll just preach to the walls. Amen. <laughs> Hypocrisy does not just stay in one generation. It goes from one generation to the next generation. I was taught, don't you let nobody know what's going on in your house. You keep what's going on in your marriage in your house. You keep what's going on with your children in your house. You keep what's going on in your family in your family. Don't you go out there and broadcast all your news. I'm going to tell you, and it has transferred from one generation to the next because mama was like that and grandma was like that and granddaddy was like that and everybody was like that and we all literally taught everybody how to be hypocritical. It passed down in your family just like it passed down in mine. Amen. It passed down to our kids just like it passed down to their kids. Now we got a generation that God is doing something with social media has come on to it. And now everybody loves to go on social media and tell everybody exactly what's going on because everybody wants to receive and get the last word. But I want you to know God's going to have the last word. Am I talking to anybody? Amen. Amen. I want you to know this morning that if I was to ask each and every one of you to go home and come back tonight and bring me a picture of yourself that you would allow me to put on social media or on my website, I guarantee you not a single one of you would go home this morning and go to your photo album and the first picture you saw of yourself, you'd bring that picture to me. I guarantee you, you would go and find the very best picture that you could possibly find to bring it to me. Amen. You'd make sure that the lighting was right, that your hair was right, that your eyelashes looked all right, that your makeup looked pretty good, that your nose hairs weren't all out and your ear hairs out here. And you, you don't let want nobody to know what you look like when you just get up out of the bed. And I tell you, I look, my, I look pretty good here today. But when I got up this morning, I looked mighty rough. I had an old goatee going on right here. I needed to say, I needed to get here and pluck out some nose hair. I needed to look pretty decent when I walked into the house. Everybody wants to portray a picture of themselves that is the best picture that they can possibly do even to the point to where people look at it and they have an illusion that maybe Katrina's got everything together and then when they finally meet her she don't look nothing like that picture that she let them out to see amen and that's what's been going on in the church 
That's what's been going on in the world. Everybody wants to portray a little bit better than what they are. You're going to be sure that your smile shows your pearly white. You're going to be sure that you got your best profile. You're going to be sure you got the best light. You're going to make sure that that's the best picture that can possibly be to give to anyone because nevertheless, everybody's going to see them and you want everybody to look at you like you look good. Oh, help us, Jesus. Amen. We want to bring the very best things out of ourselves and portray that to the world and let everybody know this is how I am. But I want you to know this morning how many of you here today in this moment would come to me if I ask you for that picture and bring me the picture of you just woke up out of the bed. How many would be embarrassed for that white stuff that's in your mouth when you get up in the morning? Or that cold that you can see in your eyes? Or your hair all messed up. How many would be kind of messed up? In other words, you don't take a selfie of yourself while you're going through a struggle. You don't just take a selfie of yourself and put it out to everybody while you're out there and you're at your worst. We always show the best version of ourselves to everybody. Am I speaking the truth? Someone say amen. But I've learned something in my life. I've learned something. I've learned that it's in my struggle that that's where I find out that God is alive. It's in my struggle, in the place of my inadequacies. It's in my struggle when I really need to find some power that I don't have. It's in my struggle, in the place of my troubles. It's out there in my struggle that God himself shows up and he gives and brings the best out of me. It's in my struggle that I find out who God is and I find out who I am. I find out how strong God is and how strong I am. I begin to realize that it's through my struggle that I realize how much faith I got and how much faith God can give. It's in my struggle that I realize I can go through it all, through it all with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells me in Psalms 46 that God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in the time of struggle. I find God when things get tight. I find God when I'm standing in a dire strait. I find God when I discover God when I'm standing at the foot of the cross and I've tried everything else and now it's time to try Him. I find myself in trouble and there in that trouble I discover God and I discover who I am. You don't know what you would do or what you what you can take until you go through some struggle in your life. Amen. In trouble, you don't know who your friends are until you step through trouble. Because when you get into trouble, everybody that's not your friend is going to put you down. But if you got a friend when you're in trouble, they're going to stick close to you. If you got a friend that's closer than a brother, he'll be there with you. I want you to know God wants the church to walk through some trouble because he needs to realize and we need to realize that he is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. And I believe the last couple, three years, the church has been walking through a little bit of trouble because God is getting ready to distribute some praising and some blessing out on his body. And I believe I'm ready to receive it. How about y'all amen you don't know who's on your team until you get into some trouble you don't know who's really for you until you walk through some trouble 
You don't know what God can do in and through and by you until you get into some trouble. Now, I'm not talking about little old trouble. I'm talking about real trouble. I'm talking about when the doctor tells you you ain't got time to even sit down and write a new will. When they look at you and they tell you you got cancer. When they tell you that it took out your brother, your sister, and now it's on you. And you began to mess up the power of Almighty God inside of you. And you began to decree over yourself, I shall not die, I shall live. That's when you began to realize how powerful you are and how powerful God is in your life. Amen. It's in trouble that you find out what you and can do and what God can do. And it's only in trouble that you find that out. Amen. So this morning I want to talk to some troubled saints and some struggling saints here this morning because God's got a word for you. Amen. I've been struggling. How many here this morning have been struggling? The word struggle, if we look it up in definition, it means to make forceful or violent efforts to get free of some restraints and constrictions in our life where we're striving to achieve and attain in the face of difficulty and in resistance. We're trying to make money, save money, and we can't do it. Seems like all hell breaks loose. We're trying to have a good marriage, and all hell is breaking loose. We're trying to build up the church, and all hell is breaking loose. We're struggling, we're struggling, we're struggling. And I want you to know here today, you will not have a marriage without struggling. I want to say that again. You will not have a marriage without struggling. Don't you believe nobody that stands up and says, I've been married for 50 happy marriage years. No, there ain't nobody I've known that has been happily married for 50 years. Nobody. They've been through some struggle. There's been some time that you wish you could slap their eyes out of their head. There's been some time that you wish they'd leave you alone and just go away from you. There's been some struggle. But it's through that struggle that the bond of that marriage gets tighter and it gets tougher. And it stands there and it will stand the test of time and the test from the hell. And everything the hell releases against you. It is that struggle that you go through and you hold on to. And love helps you bear through it all. Amen. We say things like, I ain't never had no trouble like that with my children. Oh, if you're going to have children, you're going to have trouble. Can I say that again? If you're going to have children, you're going to have trouble. If you're going to have members in Living Water Worship Center, you're going to have trouble. Amen. If the church fills up today, we're going to have trouble. If your children, your grandchildren bring in a, a person to marry them and they start having children, they're going to have trouble and you're going to be right there in the middle of that trouble. Amen. I can remember mama telling me one time and I was acting up. She said, I'll kill you and take you out and make another one look just like you and nobody won't know the difference. And it scared me at that point in time. I didn't know at that point in time that she couldn't do that. But, 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 but I believe it with all of my heart. I gave my mama some trouble. I put her through some stuff. Amen. And I want to talk to you this morning with that preface as I look at this text. Because Moses for 80 years now has waited for this moment. How many of you know what it's like to wait on a promise from God? Amen. For 80 years he's waited. 80 years is a long time to wait. In fact, Sister Carol had a birthday last week. She's 80 years old. 80 years, her whole life now, Moses had waited for this time. This moment had became so powerful in his life, it changed him from that point on the rest of his life. He had been waiting for 80 years. 
out on the back side of the desert, God appeared to him in that burning bush and he told him, he says, all right, now I want you to go and I want you to look at Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go and I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to give you what you need to deliver my children and then you're going to leave my children. You're going to lead them out to the promised land. And he said, said, I'm going to give you exactly what you need to be able to fight the battle against Pharaoh. I'm going to give you exactly what you need to fight the battle against his magician. I'm going to give you exactly what you need to fight the battle against the devil so that you can free my people under my power. He says, but there's going to be some issues in your life. And he didn't tell them exactly what was going to go on. And Moses for 80 years now has been waiting. And now he's been transformed. And he'll never be the same again. He's commanded to go before Pharaoh and to command him, the most powerful man that there was on the face of the earth, that God said to let my people go. And God equipped him to struggle with Pharaoh. He was commanded to do that and lay down his staff that he had in his hand and change it to a snake. And he was given the power to scoop up the the, the magician's rod and God equipped him for that. He was given the equipment and the ability and the the, the leadership and the power to go to the Red Sea and to lead them across the Red Sea and get out in the wilderness. But you begin to realize as you look at this story that God didn't really explain all this to Moses. If he did, Moses probably wouldn't have went any further because God didn't equip him at that burning bush to fight a fight with his own folks. You realize in life that the people in your life that literally you're going to have to fight and struggle with the most is the people that's kin to you. People that is a close relationship to you. Supposed to be your brothers and your sisters. Amen. God didn't tell Moses that you're going to have to struggle and fight with Aaron, your brother. You're going to have to struggle and fight with your sister Marion. You're going to have to struggle and fight with your niece and your aunt and your uncle and all these people in the the nation of Israel, all these children of Israel, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to stand up and lead them and they're not going to appreciate you. You're going to have to stand up and give them things and they're not going to like you. You're going to have to stand up and declare my word to them and they're going to want to go in another direction than what I want to carry them and they're going to go and resist you on every hand. He didn't tell them that he would be fighting for God amongst his people and he was not just sending there ready to go. He had to realize how to overcome this problem in life. Amen. amen. How many has won some battles in your life? Can you say amen? amen. How many has had some good times in your life? Someone say amen. amen. Give God a good hand clap for what he's done for you in the good times. Bert, one thing I've noticed in life. And I found out in my life as well, just like what Moses was going through. Moses wasn't just fighting to be good. Moses was fighting to be consistent. And I've seen people that's been blessed by the Lord and they have been blessed tremendously and had some good times in their life. And within two months, they were not consistent in everything God had blessed them with they had lost. The fight and your battle in your life is to be consistent. To be consistent. I want you to look around here this morning. The fight in Living Water Worship Center is to get people consistent. Because everybody can be good every now and again. But to live good and holy all the time, that's the fight. Everybody can come to church every now and again. But to be in church every time that the door is open, that's a fight in your life. Oh, my Lord, everybody ain't going to talk to me this morning. Everybody say, my fight is to be consistent. 
The word consistent means I do the same thing the same way over time. I unchange in my nature over time. I literally don't change my standard. I don't change my effect over time. I stand firm. I still stand and I'm existing on what I exist on 20 years ago and it don't matter what time is done. I am consistent. I'm consistent in the battle over time. I am consistent. I can. I might lose a little something but I'm going to gain it back. I am consistent in everything that's happening in my life. You will have to say about me I am consistent. But we can't, we can't stand up and give that testimony, can we? Everybody be good every now and again, can't they? How many of you have one of them children? They can literally be so good, they'd make you so proud of them, and the next day you wish to God you could kill them. They make you so proud of them, and the next day you want to slap them back where they came from. Because everybody can be good every now and again. You can rise up and raise up enough of tenacity in you to get good once. But you've got to stir up that tenacity and get you not just to be good once. You've got to be so tenacious. You've got to be so determined that you can be consistent over time. You're always able to lay your hands on the sick and they recover. You're always able to speak and walk in faith. No matter what happens, no matter what the devil sends your way, you're consistent in your belief. You're consistent in your action. You're consistent. You're consistent. You can literally build a brand and everybody know that you're getting what they're getting. Because you're consistent. There's a, a famous restaurant that built a brand. And y'all tell me which one it is. We do chicken right. Which one was that? Kentucky Fried Chicken. Lord, I'm going to go ahead and talk to the walls in the sermon. We do chicken right, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have it your way. What brand is that? Burger King. Well, you can't have it your way and have that brand and know that when you pull up in that driveway, you can get what you want. If everybody in there, when you tell them to hold the pickles, gets mad because they're telling you to hold the pickles, I'm here to tell you when you literally build a brand, everybody knows what they get when they get you. And I want everybody here to know exactly what they're going to get when they walk into Living Water Worship Center. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, what am I going to get when I get you? I want you to think about that just a moment. Why? Because, Thelma, you can only use what is consistent. God cannot use anybody that is not consistent. You can only trust and put your reliance on someone that is consistent. So God allows Moses to practice now in the, the, the desert out there for 40 years as he takes care of sheep. And God will always give you something to practice on when he's going to give you a promise. God has allowed me to practice in living water worship center for what he's about to give you. And every one of you, what you've been struggling with in your life, it has been a preparation for what God is about to do for you in the season that you're about to walk into in 2023 or 5783. I want you to realize that Moses goes and leads them and carries them out of Egypt and he carries them right back to the place where he saw the burning bush. You can only lead anybody through what you've already been through. And when God gives you to somebody, God wants somebody to know exactly what they're going to get from you so they can put some trust and reliance in the God that's on the inside of you. Someone say amen, amen. amen. 
And now, here's Moses as I put this together, as I try to hurry and close. Moses goes up on the mountain. He's up there and he spends time with the Lord. And God orally comes down and orally gives the Ten Commandments. And everyone of the children of Israel said, yes, we'll do that. And God says, all right, I want you to come, Moses, back up here, and I'm going to take out, and I'm going to hew out some stone, and I'm going to take my finger, and I'm going to write the Ten Commandments, the law, into the stone that I hew out, and I want you to come up here with me and then go deliver. I'm going to take the promise, the oral promise, that you have made to me that is abstract, and I'm going to make it concrete right before your eyes, and I'm going to do that and send it down, and I'm going to give you by law to this nation. I'm going to make you my people and you're going to make me your God. So God takes him and he hews out the stone and he takes his finger and he writes it on it. And Moses didn't do nothing to get the stone. Moses didn't do nothing to write the stone out. But God literally turned around and blessed him, hewed out the stone, handed him something and put something in his hand and said, now go give it to your people. Turn to your neighbor and say, God put something in my hand. He goes down. And as he goes down, you all know the story. He walks down and Aaron has built this golden calf and everybody's naked and they're dancing around this uh, this, this golden calf and they're out there. And what happens around Moses makes Moses so angry that he literally drops what God has put in his hand. I tell you, neighbor, I say, I got something God gave me. God has reached out and pulled me out of the streets. He's pulled us up out of the gutter. He's pulled us out of the bar. He's pulled us out of the whorehouses. He's pulled us out of the addictions of the world. He's pulled us out of mediocrity. He pulled us out of our sin. And and, and just like Peter says, such as I have, I give unto thee. God gave you something so you can give it to somebody else. But what has happened in the church is that they have been so bombarded about what's going on in the church that what God has took and put in our hand, we have dropped it. Oh, can I help anybody this morning? I want you to know here this morning, if you don't believe that I got something in your life, you wouldn't be coming to this church. If you don't believe that God has given me something in your life, then it's your loss. God has given you something. He's put something in your hand. God doesn't spend much time with Moses there fussing about what Aaron has done. He don't spend a lot of time fussing about the naked people dancing around that golden calf. He don't go into all of that there. He gets angry with Moses. We don't hear that preached a whole lot. Oh, we can talk about Aaron and how Aaron, the leader, so quickly took the gold and he made this. And we can talk about the people that was out there in an orgy and they were running around dancing naked. We can talk about that there. But God tells Moses and he looks at Moses and he's angry with Moses and he tells Moses that you're going to have to do something about this because you have just made me have to do everything that I just done over again. God has woke me up this week and told me living water has made me go and have to do everything that I have done again to bring about the revival that needs to be brought out. And I hope that God, some of y'all are listening to me online. You so freely can stay home. If you got a little splinter in your toe, you can stay home. But God has awoken me and told me that God has put something in the hands of living water worship center and he has prepared it for a revival and he has got it ready and he's ready for us to go and now we got to turn around and do it all over again because God done all the work before 
And God done all the things at that time. God hew out the stone. God wrote the stone up. But now God said, we're going to have to do it over again. Look at somebody say, it's time to get a grip on it. Amen. God said, you have lost your grip on what I gave you. And because you lost that grip, now we're going to have to do it all over again. We're going to have to do it over until you get your grip on it. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to get a grip on it. I don't care if you dropped it, you're still the man. I don't care if we dropped it here at Living Water Worship Center, we're still the church for the revival that God's going to bring in this house and in this region. We're still the leadership in this area to usher in the kingdom and the power of Almighty God. We're still called by God. We might have dropped it, but God said we can move forward. We might have let what was going on out in the world keep us from going forward, but my God said me and you are going to do it over again. Look at somebody and say, God and me got to get it right. Amen. God said, now you're going to get it over again. But God says, this time I'm not just going to give it to you. This time I'm not just going to give it to you. You're the one that's going to hew out the rock. You're the one that's going to have to cut away some stuff. Now once you get it cut away, I'll write on it with my fiery finger, but you're going to be the one that's going to have to cut it away. You're going to have to cut away them nasty opinions. Help us, Lord. Amen. You're going to have to cut away them foolishness. You're going to have to cut away that, that laziness. You're going to have to cut away that lackadaisicalness. You're going to have to cut away that gossip. You're going to have to cut away that stuff that has caused me to have to pull my hand away from a people. I want you to know that right now God is saying you're going to have to cut it away. Look at somebody and say, we got to cut it away. I hope I can help you this morning. Because God gave us something, put it in our hands, put the power in it, gave it us, and we dropped it. Oh, help us, Lord. Amen. And God said, although you dropped it, I ain't gave up on you yet. Everybody just holler out and say, he's still working on me. He ain't gave up on living water yet. Amen. He ain't gave up on Kip Nash yet. He ain't gave up on none of us yet. God is ready to do something and do something right now. And God said, I am going to take you back up the mountain one more time. And you're going to have to go and cut that rock out. And you're going to have to carry that rock up to me. And me and you are going to write the law upon the tablets of the stone that you who out and you work and you put your time in it. And now maybe if you put a little bit in it, you'll appreciate what I give you back amen. amen I tell you I appreciate my dad my dad bought my, my older brother a car and he brought Sydney a car and he helped Mitchell buy a car and when it came time for me to buy a car he walked in and he told me he said I'll be happy to go buy you a car son and I looked right at him and I said daddy I don't want you to buy me a car he said, why not? I said, well, Daddy, I watched you with Dewey and I watched you with Sidney and I watched you with Mitchell. And you told them what they could do with that car. I want to be able to have something that's mine that you can't tell me what I can do with it. And I worked till I got my own car. I was 19 before I owned my own car. And I thank God today that it took me that long because once I sat behind that, that uh, steering wheel in that car and I pulled off of that place and it was mine, I had a smile on my face and I appreciated what I worked for and I got myself. But if I gave, had it gave to me, I'd probably tore it up like Sidney tore his up, tore it up like Dewey tore his up. 
And I thank God that God taught me to appreciate what's given unto me. Amen. Amen. Jesus in our life has given us so much and we've dropped it. God has given this church the power to usher in a revival. Can someone say amen? Amen. He gave us gifts in this church. We have ministers sitting in this church that can minister. We got people in this church that can lay their hands upon the sick and they recover. We got people in this church that knows the vials and the devices of the devil and they can throw him out of people's life in the name of Jesus Christ. We've got all the power, but we have dropped it. And we did it because we didn't appreciate it. We didn't appreciate what God has given us. But God said, I ain't done yet. Everybody out saying, ain't done yet. Oh, my Lord, I wish I could get somebody here excited here this morning. My God said, I'm not done yet. He said, me and you are going back up on top of the mountain, and we're going to get it done. He said, but I ain't going to take all the time that it took me before to get it done. He said, now you got to start cutting on some stuff. Put that right beside so you start to start cutting some stuff. And you can't take forever to cut them stuffs out. You got to hew out them stones and you got to get them stones ready and you're going to have to get them ready overnight. What God is about to do in Living Water Worship Center is about to break loose in a suddenly. It's going to happen in an overnight. People are so in their heart. They're literally aching for God to show up in the power of Almighty God. And God is going to allow you to cut some stuff off. And God is saying, I ain't going to take it for days and hours and months at the time. He said, I'm ready to go now. And I'm going to teach you quickly how to appreciate what I've given unto you. And you're going to have to do it quick. Just push that beside you. Say, I'm cutting, I'm cutting, I'm cutting, I'm cutting. But I got to do it quick. I got to do it quick. Amen. Why? Because you got a meeting in the morning. Oh, you're smiling. Somebody say, I got a meeting in the morning. Y'all ain't got me yet. God said, Peter Rattler's got a meeting with me this morning. Tina's got a meeting with me in the morning. Oh, darkness is getting darker out there right now. And you might have been going through some troubles and some trials. And sorrow might happen for a night. But joy is coming in the morning. You might have dropped what is happening in your life and what I've given unto you. But now you're going to have a little bit of skin in the game. But when you got a little bit of skin in the game, you'll rise up and you'll appreciate it anymore. And in the morning, you and I are going to come together. And I'm going to write the law of God so deep on the inside of your heart that it don't matter what hell does to you. It don't matter what the people say about you. It don't matter. If everybody leaves you, you're going to be consistent in your faith, consistent in your prayer, consistent in your faith, consistent in your praise, consistent in your worship, consistent in your tithe, consistent in your agenda to the church. You're going to be consistent because the battle in your life all the way up to this point is being whether or not you can be consistent or not. Amen. Smile at somebody say, I'm going to get a grip on it. I can just see Moses as I close this morning. But God, I don't have nothing to cut that rock out with. I didn't bring no hammer. I didn't bring no chisel. I don't have these things. And God said, work with what you got. I want you to look around here this morning. We got probably more people at home than we do at church. But we can work with what we got. Amen. We got some people here this morning from six, seven, eight years old, right on up to 90 years old, just about it. But we can work with what we got. Amen. We got some delivered crack addicts. We got some delivered drunks. We got some delivered people in this house, and we can work with what we got. Amen. 
We can work with what we got. And as Moses began to hew out that stone, he took that stone and he put it on his back and he began to climb up in the mount. Moses got up early in the morning and he began to climb up that mount. He knew he had a meeting with God and he was climbing under them stones, got a little heavy in his hand. And the Bible said he took that hand, that, that, that stone, and he put it in his hand and he began to go. And when he walked into the power of Almighty God, God showed up there and began to write on the stone that he had shown out. And the power, Bible tells me later on that when God, Moses, come down off of the top of the mountain, that he had beams of the glory of Almighty God that was beaming off of him that scared the daylight, scared the hell out of the people that was around there, that run after that God, that run after that golden cat, scared Aaron, scared Mary, because the glory of Almighty God was on him. And the Bible tells us here in Living Water Worship Center, arise, shine, for thy glory has come upon you, and my glory will shine upon you. God said, in this coming month, I am going to start getting you right with me and you're going to get a grip on things and I'm going to carry you forward because I'm bringing my revival to living water with you or without you. Smile at somebody and say, I got a grip on it. How many of you got a grip on it now? How many is ready to go forward right now? Amen. Praise the Lord. Smile at somebody and say, can you get a grip on it? Ask another sow, are you got a grip on it now? You got a grip on it now? Let's read just a little bit of what happened. As he goes forward, and he writes everything down in verse 29. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of the testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount that Moses did not know or wist not that the skin on his face shone or horned or beamed or lightened while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And until Moses had done speaking with them and put a veil on his face, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and he spake unto the children of Israel that which he has commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses was face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went to speak with him. As I close this morning, twenty nineteen prophets began to preach. Isaiah chapter sixty verse one: Arise, shine, your light has come; my glory will rise on thee. It was the year of the mouth in the Hebrew year. Where God anointed what was spoken out of your mouth three times and brought it back to you three times quicker. And when the devil realized what was going on, he slapped the mask on his face. And the church began to put the mask on their face. I'm talking spiritual to you now, not physical. 
the church is not supposed to say anything against abortion anymore. The church is not supposed to say anything against anything. We're not supposed to be involved in politics anymore. Every time the church tries to raise up the voice of Almighty God, a mask is put on. And there's been a struggle now that's been going on in America and in the world since 2019 about a mask. I was out yesterday, stopped in Dollar General, and about 10 people walked in. All of them had a mask on. As I was leaving, about five more walked in. None of them had a mask on. And you could see how people that were wearing a mask was looking at the ones that wouldn't wear the mask. I was sick. I'm sick. I'm still sick now. I don't have COVID. But the devil has took and put a mask on God's people just like Moses had to put a mask on when he talked to God's people. In the last two years, the mandate from the government has been put this mask on. You go to school, put the mask on. Go to the doctor, put the mask on. You go to church, put the mask on. You go out, drive groceries, put the mask on. Wherever you go, put the mask on. Can you see the argument and the wrestling that's been going on in the spiritual realm because God is saying this year coming for 2023, 5783, is the year of distribution from God. It is either a distribution of judgment or a distribution of blessing. And God is saying judgment will begin at the house of God. And God is telling us here this morning, you're going to have to grab something in your hand and throw the mask off and speak the word of Almighty God that is put written down inside of your heart and stand up and be consistent against what hell is trying to do if you want a revival in the house of God. Amen. So ask that neighbor right beside us, are you going to be consistent? Do you got a grip on it? If you got a grip on this morning, stand with me till you feet right quick. Reach over and grab that person's hand next to you and grip it. Grip it. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we rebuke what hell has been trying to do in our church. We stand against it in the name of Jesus. We rebuke what hell has been trying to do in your church. We stand against it in the name of Jesus. We command that the devil that has sent forth his imps into our lives and into the church to try to nullify the gospel of Almighty God and the law that is written in our heart and to nullify and destroy our message. We command him to cease and desist in the name of Jesus and release the angels of Almighty God to take them to the dry place, tie them up and hold them there so that revival can come into the hearts and the minds of God's people and God through the power of the glory of the Holy Spirit. Father, bring your children back to the heart. Bring them back to that experience where they are in your presence that where we will be beams of glory as we go forward out to speak and let your glory, Lord, bring the fear of God in the life of those that 
need to receive you. God, we rebuke the devil and we resist it in the name of Jesus. And we shall walk in the glory of Almighty God because this is the year that living water rises up and wakes up out of the bed. And we shine with the glory of Almighty God because this is a brand new day. And God, we're going to learn to be consistent in the power of Almighty God. And we're going to go forward and do what you want done in Jesus' name. And our church said amen and amen. Father, in Jesus' name, take each person here today, lead God and direct and bring them back in love and in unity tonight, Lord God, as we minister in your glory. And Father, we'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. And the church said amen.